poor fertility is one of the main reasons for culling a cow in dairy herds around the world. More than 20% of all cullings are related to poor fertility and reproductional issues. An infertile cow has a huge long-term impact on the production and longevity of your dairy business and ultimately your profit. To help give us the best tips on how to overcome poor fertility, I've invited two breeding experts to join me in the studio. Klaus Langdale, Senior Breeding Manager for Viking Holstein, and Peter Larsen, Senior Breeding Manager for Viking Jersey. This is the Breedcast, produced by Viking Genetics. I'm your host, Louise Rowensvene. So, hello and welcome to the studio, Klaus and Peter. Thank, Thank you. you. Very nice to have you with us today. So, Klaus, we'll start with you. You work with Holstein farmers around the world. What are the main reasons for poor fertility and reproduction issues that they come to you about? What we see in the Holstein breed in general is that it's a breed that has been for, for several decades been, been heavily selected for high production. Uh, it's been a, a main uh, focus for many years um, and that's also where we are. It is an extremely high producing cow uh, that we have in the barns today. But along with this high production came also some uh, unfavorable uh, relations to, to fertility, to health traits. Uh, in this case, poor fertility uh, coming, you could say, from having prioritized uh, production way too high. So I think that's that's the main issue that I that I hear from farmers saying that, well, the cows they milk enough. The issue is actually get them pregnant, get them bred back, so they're ready for for another lactation. And and what can poor fertility and reproductional issues? What what can that result in for the farmer? Well, it has a huge impact uh, on everyday life on the farm. There is. Uh, Say there, there are of course always the frustration having to work a lot with actually getting the cow spread back. There's a lot of, of work related to that. You need to observe. You need to you know, to register a, a lot of things, and that's you say directly in, uh, part of that. Of course, there are also costs directly related to it that you have have to buy more semen. You have maybe to have some treatments on your animals uh, in, in order to make them uh, ready for, for, for the next uh, pregnancy. And also, uh, say you can, with a poor fertility, you can, you can have, it can be tough on your whole system because you can, you can lack animals to replace. So you will have to, to let cows stay longer in the herd than they actually should. And, so, so you see, there's a, a whole uh, complex of issues that arise if you deal with reproduction problems. Peter, you've traveled the world for the past 30 years, uh, working with Jersey farmers around the world, advising them, etc. What are some of the challenges, the typical challenges you see around fertility and reproduction? Well, uh, I see uh, some of the same challenges as uh, the ones that Klaus has mentioned. Uh, but uh, for Jersey's maybe a less effect of uh, high production on fertility as in the Holstein breed. It's known for the very high uh, production of, uh, of milk, the high volumes. Uh, but still, it is uh, one of the major culling regions. Um, and uh, the second largest for the Jersey breed, uh, next to uh, 
production. And um, for that reason, it is very important uh, that we focus on this because we don't want the farmers to, to face involuntary culling. Uh, we want them to make the decisions themselves on what animals do I want to cull because I have better, uh, younger uh, animals that I'd rather focus on and breed with. Uh, so involuntary culling is uh, certainly not what the breeders want. And that's uh, something that, that some farmers around the world face because of poor fertility. Mm-hmm. And what, is the, what are some of the challenges around, I know there's something around timing and, and the insemination as well with regards to fertility. Yes, um, and uh, it is something that uh, we focus on quite a lot because uh, earlier we said that uh, a cow should uh, give birth to a calf once a year. And now some farmers prolong the, uh, the lactation to, to, uh, to make better profits, have a longer and higher milk production. Um, so uh, uh, the ideal or optimal uh, time to, to uh, breed a cow is not necessarily as it was earlier, and it can differ from management uh, to management uh, conditions. So... Uh, uh, whether you are, are producing under subtropical or tropical conditions or here in the Nordic countries uh, could actually also affect uh, the decisions on when to breed the cow. What is the ultimate consequence of, of sort of poor fertility and, and reproductional issues in herds, Klaus? I, I just wanted to add uh, an, an extra element to, to just to, to say to to. Uh, extra value to, to why this is important. Uh, um, if you look at the culling reasons for the Holsteins, you will have that it's more than more than 20%, 22% actually in our condition here in the Nordic countries. That is the reason if you ask the farmer why they call, why he call his cows. So it's uh, like Peter says, in, in Jersey it's an issue, in Holstein it's an issue. So I think it is an, an overall issue on our condition, but definitely worldwide also. So it's it's present all over. So calling is actually one of the ultimate consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that poor fertility uh, it sounds like it's also a combination between uh, genetics, management, environment, all these different uh, priorities, so to speak, that uh, we have in a herd. Uh, let's try and look at ways to overcome these challenges, because I know those are the solutions that you work with. Uh, Peter, when a Jersey farmer comes to you and says he's struggling with fertility and reproduction in his herd, what are some of the first things that you recommend that he takes a look at? Well, first of all, uh, he needs to take a look at the genetics in his herd and also what genetics he has been using over the last uh, period or last years affecting the, the current herd. Uh, but of course, he also needs to take uh, the current uh, conditions into consideration. Uh, are the bulls that I use, are the genetic level that, that I work with, is it affected by environmental uh, factors or, or other uh, conditions uh, coming from, from outside? But uh, the genetics is definitely um, very, very important. And we've seen some of the, the populations uh, has actually had a, gen- a negative genetic trend over the last years. Uh, we try to uh, include both the uh, female fertility and uh, other 
traits of economic importance, especially production, into our, our overall uh, uh, breeding value NTM. And the NTM includes all and tries to balance out uh, the uh, involved uh, traits so that you get uh, progress for, for all of them. So in that way, we've managed, even we have a good progress for production, also to have a positive trend for fertility. Mm-hmm. Klaus, what's it like with, with, with Holstein? What if I came to you as a Holstein farmer saying, I'm, I'm struggling with this, and I know poor fertility is one of the biggest pains for Holstein farmers. Where, where would you start? What would you look at? I will, first of all, I would, uh, as Peter say, I'll, I'll put some focus on the genetic. So that's the foundation of everything you work with in your herd. It needs to be optimized uh, as much as possible in this. But again, also having to say, knowing that, that this is a complex where management, the environment, whatever we offer these animals and in every day, that's of course affecting this a lot. But actually the, the genetic part is, is, is very important in this uh, and I think what we what we see uh, is that there is a good uh, response to this balanced uh, breeding, as as Peter is also mentioning, say to keep, of course, focusing on high production because that's where the farmer makes his income. He needs income uh, for his herd, but definitely to cut down the costs also, for example, via uh, the, a better reproduction. In that, so not to be too fixed on one uh, way of, of breeding, but keeping this overall view and the balance in the animals, so they can say they can uh, they can last uh, this high production for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some of the examples you've seen either on the home market or out in the world where you visited other farms as well? Of, of a farmer, you know, really turning a business around by focusing on health, fertility, and uh, production. I think uh, the Nordic farmers they, they have uh, they have realized uh, the need to uh, say to to keep have these indexes in focus uh, when they do the selection, uh, and they can. So even though it's it's a relatively small part of what you experience on the animals, that is actually the, the genetics. But you can actually you can easily see that there are some nice trends in the way uh, the animals they react, uh, the genetic trends in them. We have had a nice uh, genetic progress in production, but also we say realized kilos of milk from the cows. They are producing a lot. They are hardworking animals in this. But at the same time, we have also experienced that they have become more healthy and they have become more fertile. And that, that's, I think, you say a perfect example of balancing this uh, out uh, as it is. For example, we've seen, uh, if you look at one of the very important traits uh, in the fertility concept, the time from you start inseminate until she is actually uh, pregnant or bred back, we have reduced that with about six days on cows during the last seven, eight years, which is a tremendous change, actually, uh, for a trait uh, as low heritable as fertility is. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, you can easily uh, detect this uh, genetic progress uh, in, the, in the herd when you, when you go there. Well, a comment to what Klaus mentions about the, the insemination period from when you make the decision until the, the cow is pregnant. That's one of the sub-indices because we have our overall female fertility index. But 
uh, underlying are several sub-indices, and uh, some of them are extremely important, and especially this with the insemination period. But there are also number of inseminations and uh, days from carving to first insemination. So, so, so there is a, a group of underlying sub-indices that you can also make use of. And now you're mentioning the indexes. How is the data actually gathered in the, the Nordic countries that sort of gives uh, a farmer options to looking into, you know, how, how to select the genetics? The data is collected from several sources, especially from the, the AI technicians, uh, where AI technicians do all the uh, records in connection with the, the breeding of the animals and also in their pregnancy checks. Uh, then we do some registrations and veterinarians, of course, do as well uh, when we have uh, uh, diseases in relation to reproduction. Uh, so several sources and, and a good tradition for it. So uh, we obtain nearly all the data that there, uh, that's possible and have been doing that for, for more than 40 years. So, so our uh, um, database is extremely huge and, uh, and enables us to make these uh, both uh, overall indices and also sub-indices on fertility. So Klaus, how do I select the right genetics to boost the fertility in, in my Holstein herd or in, on any herd I may have? Yeah, I think your, your main approach is, is to, to look at uh, whatever kind uh, the ranking bulls are, you could say, are in your area. Here in, in, in our area, we have the NTM, which is an overall economic trait. Uh, and you will find similar total merit indexes uh, around the world. But the NTM that uh, that we believe in here, there we have uh, fertility in with a relatively high weight, and uh, so it's you could say picking animals from high ranking NTMs will often automatically point you to in the direction of some good fertility bulls. Uh, you can then, of course, decide that you want to go even further and on your own farm make a strategy saying, I prefer to put extra value on this trade because this is an issue for me. Uh, I can do with less production maybe, and then I can prioritize fertility even higher and, and pick from, you say, optimize that trade even more. So, so you say start out with the uh, high-ranking bulls NTM-wise and pick among those the profile that you prefer uh, for fertility. That will be, be the optimal way to, to get the best genetic for your herd. Mm -hmm. Peter, what's it like around the world in other countries? How is, how is fertility sort of prioritized and, and valued around the world? Uh, the fertility is valued very high and that's nowhere, no matter where you go in the world. Uh, and uh, when you visit uh, Jersey breeders, not all are having the same tools as uh, what we have. And as Klaus mentioned with the Holstein breed, the Holstein breed is huge. And uh, I think in nearly all populations around the world, you have breeding values to work with. That's not the case for Jerseys. In small Jersey populations, not all have breeding values on the females. An example is that uh, Norway and France didn't have until they joined us last year. Uh, so you could, of course, pick and choose bulls. Uh, if you had an impression that this cow family is very infertile, then uh, focus on bulls that are very fertile, are breeding uh, good uh, female fertility. 
But if you do not have breeding values on your animals, uh, you are, um, are are really struggling uh, to to solve those problems that that you have or the challenges uh, that you have. So, uh, of course, you can genomic test your animals, uh, test in our in- uh, system, for instance. Uh, but uh, otherwise, at least uh, use bulls that are highly ranked for female fertility. And be very specific in what type of bulls you use. Uh, use from those populations having the positive trends and uh, that have the, uh, the highest international rankings for female fertility. Mm-hmm. So Klaus, if you were to summarize sort of what are sort of the, some natural steps for me to take to get well on the way of, of better fertility and better reproduction in my herd? Yeah, then, then as a farmer, you should... You should be sure that you, you uh, with an open eyes, know what you're doing. Make yourself a strategy for your herd. Uh, just like everything you else you do on your farm, you need to have a good plan and you need to follow that plan. And um, that's, that strategy will definitely differ from farm to farm. Uh, but some of it will, of course, also be the same. But, but make sure that you, uh, that you prioritize what is needed for your system. Uh, it might also be that it's it's health traits that you also put extra weight on. It can also be on solids in milk or whatever. But uh, I'm sure in, in every case, there will be a value of, of keep focusing on improving the fertility in this. But make this strategy and follow it. I think that's, uh, that's a critical thing in this. I think most, most farmers agree uh, uh, what they prefer, what kind of cows they, they like. Uh, an easygoing cow that produces a lot of milk that stays healthy. I think that's the, that's the kind of cow farmers like to work with. But uh, there are different ways to get to that. So, of course, also look at where you source your genetics, that there is a focus of uh, high valuable genetics when it comes to the health and, and fertility concepts also. So we've looked at some of the challenges around poor fertility and also the solutions. Now I think it'd be fun to take uh, a look ahead. Uh, Peter, when you look into the future, um, what does the future genetics look like and, and how will that impact fertility and reproduction? Well, I think uh, we will at least will we'll keep the, the current pace or genetic trend for female fertility keep focusing on having very, very good female fertility. But I think we will, in near future, add male fertility uh, so uh, that you can focus on uh, both um, when you optimize uh, your uh, reproductive re- results in your herd. Male fertility uh, is a matter of uh, what bulls are giving the best fertility result, what semen is uh, giving you the best fertility result in, in your herd. Uh, a way of doing this is, or to developing this, is uh, to in- introduce batch coding, and we have done that. Uh, that means that we can follow the semen from when it's produced, from what's happening in the barn, the, the day the bull uh, produces the semen, what's happening to the semen in the lab, what's happening after the lab when it goes to AI technician and into the cow in the herd. Uh, so we can trace everything back 
and uh, we can optimize on the, all the procedures uh, from the barn through the lab through uh, what's happening out there uh, when the AI technicians or farmers themselves are doing the insemination. Uh, in that way, we can optimize on their male fertility, but we can also uh, optimize uh, female fertility. But male fertility and the, the quality of semen will be affected by this. And, and I think just as an addition to this, that it's, say, the speed we have today in the breeding program with genomic bulls and uh, having a, a huge replacement of new genetics coming in all the time, there we will actually see a, a, a natural selection for, for better semen quality. Because if a bull is not uh, good in semen quality, then there will be other ones taking over from him quite soon. So there is a natural selection, kind of a natural selection in the semen quality as well. In, in the system we run today, which will, of course, also benefit uh, on, on farm level. Mm -hmm. Now that we're talking fertility and reproduction, there's quite a bit of, of buzz around uh, sex semen, which will actually be a topic for our uh, next breedcast. Um, how can, just, just briefly, Klaus, how can, how can sex semen be uh, an additional tool uh, to consider when breeding for better fertility and reproduction? Uh, that that's that's a really interesting uh, change we see these years uh, moving fast towards more use of sex semen on on dairy uh, animals, and it has a a, a logical uh, reason for for this big change because there is it opens up a lot of opportunities on farm level to do decisions to to optimize your herd in a much better way, but I think it's. It's relevant, uh, I would say, in this uh, topic that we talk about here to, to underline that, say, you can, you can do a lot of things, but you are almost always depending on a good reproduction. Say, if, if you do not get your animals bred back, then you are in trouble. Uh, say, so everything from there on uh, can be improved, but you need to have that as a focus, fertility, in your animals so you can get them into production, you can have them replaced in the right speed and so on. I think that's that's crucial in this. But that's also what we see. We see a lot of skilled farmers in this. They are very good. There's a lot of techniques also connected to it these days uh, to help support the farmers in the management. Uh, and uh, we also see good trends genetically. So say we are moving the breeds in the right direction and you would say it's ready to take the next step to use these newer tools with sex semen uh, in a more uh, efficient way. Peter, any sort of closing thoughts from your end? No, but just, uh, it, makes, it makes good sense to focus on uh, male fertility, on uh, the batch coding. When uh, working with sex semen, it's even more important uh, to try and optimize all procedures so that we are getting the same results as what we are getting with con conventional semen. And so that we can be sure that the, our sex products will make just as good uh, results as our conventional products. We are close, getting closer and closer, uh, and I think uh, we will be there shortly. Wonderful. And to learn more about sex semen, that is actually the next episode uh, in our broadcast. So um, much more to learn on that topic. 
Thank you so much. Uh, that's all we had for our breedcast today. We have looked at uh, how to overcome poor fertility in dairy herds, and we, thanks to you, have discussed some of the new technologies available and coming on the horizon. If you'd like to learn more, uh, do visit our reproduction best practices area at vikinggenetics.com and you'll find that under the management tips menu. I want to thank you, Klaus Langdale and Peter Larsen, very much for sharing your insights with us. And thank you everyone out there for listening. If you have an idea uh, for a topic in cattle breeding you'd like us to focus on in a future breedcast, uh, please reach out via the Viking Genetics website or uh, send us a message on uh, our fast-growing uh, Facebook uh, page, uh, Viking Genetics. My name is Louise Rowan-Svene. Please join me for the next broadcast on how sex semen can make your dairy business even more profitable and sustainable.